Good morning. I'm so glad to see you today. I'm glad that you swam in, or I'm glad you didn't have to slide in or ski in today. So, yeah, but we are glad that you were here and worshiping with us today on this beautiful day that the Lord has made. I'm glad you're worshiping, uh, worshiping with us by live stream. And if you're home all snug and wrapped up in a blankie, then just let us know that you're worshiping with us in the comments. We like to see that, and we like to see where you are. It may, it may be snowy where you are. My oldest daughter sent me a picture. They've got snow in North Carolina. So, um, yay. Good day to worship online. Good day to worship the Lord anyway. I have a couple of announcements. Um, the church office will be closed tomorrow in observance of Martin Luther King Jr. National Holiday. And our ELC will also be closed. If you, if you um, need something, just leave a message for us. This coming Wednesday, we got... Um, Pastor Sims confirmation class for adults at 11 o'clock and at 6 o'clock and if you come in the evening um, you can come at 5:30. and y'all it is Italian night this Wednesday night and I'm telling you it's gonna be great all right so um, I hope that you will join us I hope that you'll worship it with us and study with us every opportunity you get we're glad that you're here let's open with prayer before we start worshiping Gracious, gracious God, thank you for blessing us with this day. Thank you for this wonderful church and its ministries and for the people that make up this congregation. For everyone who is worshiping with us today, whether it's online or in person, your blessings I pray upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand and worship with us?
Thank you so much. Uh, you may be seated. Our children are about to go with Miss Catherine to Children's Church, and they'll be having a good time in there. I want to, uh, to thank you for supporting your church all the way through the, the roller coasters we've had over the last couple of years, and I want to ask you to continue to support your church. If you're here today inside this building, we have an offering plate back there at, at the back for you to leave an offering. I want to encourage you to continue to give online by text to give. You can download our church app, and uh, there's all kinds of information you can get. By the way, if you go to our website or download our church app, I encourage you to do that. It's a brave new world that we have here, and we might as well take advantage of these technologies. Let's pray to the Lord right now. God, you are a good, good father, and we are loved by you. That's our primary identity is your children loved by you and because of your great love and because of your provision we give ourselves to you we give our tithes and offerings to you we give our service to you our bodies to be your hands and feet and we do all of this hoping that your kingdom will be glorified and advanced in Jesus name amen
Okay, praise band, have I told you lately that I loved you? Some of y'all are old enough to know about that song. Look it up on YouTube if you don't. Um, I want to thank you for being here and worshiping with us today. Uh, the scripture today is Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is, as second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When I was a teenager, I knew that God had uh, some kind of call on my life. I knew that God wanted me to do something. I just wasn't sure what. And it was, um, it was very troubling to me not to know exactly what God wanted me to do. Have you ever just wanted to know what God wanted you to do? To the point that you just went outside and looked up at the stars and said, God, what do you want me to do? I remember I actually did that one time. And, you know, out in the country, you could see a lot of stars. And I said, God, what do you want me to do? And here's what I heard. Yeah, crickets. After a while, um, I stopped being angry with God for not verbally answering me out loud out there in the country that night and in my heart in the quiet whisper of my heart which is the way that God speaks to me all the time God said I've already told you so much why don't you just go ahead and do what I've already told you to do so if you've ever asked that question God what do you want me to do um Maybe you had a big decision to make. Maybe it was, God, do you want me to marry this person? Or, God, do you want me to take this job? Or, or God, uh, which one of these offers should I accept? Or should I go to this college or that? Or, God, what are your expectations for me? If you've ever had that feeling, if you've ever asked that question, we're going to loop back around to something we've talked about before. We're going to loop back around to something that... Um, our leadership team for 2022 is reading. We had a, a wonderful uh, onboarding meeting last Sunday night called Pathways 22 for the Board of Stewards and the church leadership. And we're all going to read a book together. Does that sound like homework? Yeah, sort of like homework. We're reading uh, Richard Stern's book, Lead Like It Matters to God. And I'm about halfway through it now. And I realized he's talking about the same thing that Jesus was talking about, that I'm talking about. Here's what God told us to do. We've been talking all month long about integrity, about actually being who we said we are. Uh, because if we know who we are, we'll know what to do. We talked about last, the first week of January, about authentically being who we said we are. Remember, I talked about having the Krispy Kreme donut box with the vegetables inside of it. You know, um, are, are we going to be who we say we are? Every Sunday this month, we're going to 
talk about our mission statement. Um, so I want you to say it out loud with me if you know it. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know, it's written around everywhere. If you've been around for a while, you, you know it. But here is our mission statement. Say it out loud with me. The people of Gadsden First United Methodist Church changing lives by sharing Christ, making disciples, serving, and giving hope. So that's who we say we are. Are we really being authentic to that? Last week, we talked about who we want to become. Uh, we want to become followers of Jesus who produce other followers of Jesus, fishers of people, followers and fishers. So this Sunday, we're looking at a very practical question about us and about our church, and that is this. What do you want us to do, God? That could be a loaded question, couldn't it? Um, it's a question that people have been asking for generations, and sometimes the answer they get is a little more complicated than they intended for it to be. Uh, for instance, when Moses went up on the mountain to talk to God, uh, God uh, gave the answer to, hey, God, what do you want us to do by giving Ten Commandments? Remember, can you picture Charlton Heston coming down the mountain with those stone tablets. If I get to heaven and Moses doesn't look like Charlton Heston, I'm going to be so disappointed. But um, so, hey, God, what do you want us to do? God said, here are 10 commandments. They're not 10 suggestions. They're 10 commandments. And in adult confirmation class, we learned how to say the 10 commandments with our 10 fingers. You want to do that this morning? Oh, come on, get your 10 fingers going. Number one is there's only one God, right? There's number two is you will have no gods before me. Don't bow down to idols. Number three is watch your words. Don't take God's name in vain. Number four is like a family of four going to church. Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Number five is a five-finger salute. Honor your father and mother. Y'all are not participating this morning. Honor your father and mother or you get a swat that's the way, okay? Number six is do not commit murder, okay? Number seven is married people, keep your promises. That's how we say it to the kids. Do not commit adultery. Married people, keep your promises. Number eight is do not steal. Number nine, this is your wagging tongue. Do not bear false witness. Do not lie. And number ten is do not covet, okay? So that's how you can remember those Ten Commandments. God, what do you want us to do? You know, there they are. So things get even more complicated along the years because the Jews not only had the Ten Commandments, but they had something called the Mishnah, the oral explanation of the Jewish law. They started out with good intentions because someone asked a question, for instance... Some things needed a little further explanation, they thought. Um, so, remember, remember the Sabbath, keep, keep it holy, don't do any work on the Sabbath. And I can picture in my mind somebody in the back row raising their hand. So what's considered work? Um, is that just going to my job or is that walking around my house? So the experts in the Jewish law got together and they sliced and they diced and they strained in endless detail and what they arrived at 
was very, very minute little examples of what it meant to keep the Sabbath and to not work on the Sabbath. For instance, people could not travel more than 3,000 feet from their home on the Sabbath because any more than that would be considered work. I can imagine someone drawing a line 3,000 feet from their house. Whoop, I'm not working. I'm not working. Like you in, riding in the back seat with your brother or sister. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. A, a person could carry an object, uh, but it couldn't weigh more than a dried fig. Uh, if it weighed more than a dried fig, it would be considered working. False teeth could not be worn on the Sabbath because they exceeded the weight limit. So, okay, just let your mind run wild with that one. A woman was not allowed to look in the mirror on a Sabbath because she might see a gray hair and be tempted to pull it out. I'm not making this stuff up. It really is that, that detailed. By the time Jesus came along, those Ten Commandments had turned into 613 commandments. It's hard enough to remember the 10, y'all. I can't remember. I mean, I can't imagine remember 613. So the Pharisees were obsessed with these 613, the law and the prophets and the Mishnah. They would sit around and talk about them for hours. And it would be, I can just imagine them, hey, what do you think about number 494? Ooh, it's not nearly as hard to keep as number 321, or whatever the conversation sounded like. That is the context of the expert in the law coming up to Jesus that day. And this Pharisee came up to him and said, Hey, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? It was a trap, you see. It was totally a trap. Because the Pharisees just assumed that all the commandments were equally important. So how could Jesus just pick one? So whichever one Jesus picked, the Pharisee would say, Ah, but what about number 484 or whatever? But Jesus did not fall into the trap and he didn't hesitate and he didn't stutter. Because, you know, actually there is one most important commandment. And another one that goes along with it. The one most important commandment. Jesus started out with the Shema. The very first thing that a Jewish child had to memorize. It came from Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 and 5. Shema means hear. Hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. That's what Jesus started with. Every little Jewish kid, the first thing they memorized when they were a kid was the Shema. So, what does God want us to do? God's already told us. God's already told us, so why don't we just start with that? Simply put, God wants us to love God with everything that we have. And, and God broke that down for us. Jesus said, love with all your heart. Your heart is your, your interior, your, your center, the seat of your inward life. It's the seat of your affections. It's where your spiritual life happens. It's where the Lord lives when we accept Jesus into our hearts. So loving him with all of our hearts 
begins when we accept his free offer of grace. When we pass from spiritual death into spiritual life, then God becomes the center of our affections. It's like if you tell your sweetheart on Valentine's Day, I love you with all my heart, your sweetheart would probably say, Aw, thanks, honey. That's like a Hallmark moment, right? That's all I need is for you to love me with all your heart. But the Lord says, wait just a minute, there's more. Because not just with all your heart, with all your soul. Your soul is the seat of your emotions and your attitudes and your passions, our feelings. Our feelings, yes, but also the direction of our will. Because we can willfully turn our emotions and our attitudes one way or the other. We can willfully turn our affections toward God. That's loving God with our soul. Let's say, here's an example. Let's say somebody hurt you, somebody wronged you. But instead of hurting them back, which is what you wanted to do, you chose to be kind and forgiving. That is loving God with your soul. Let's say you chose to be patient. You chose to be forgiving over being anger and being bitter and being resentful. That's loving God with your soul. That's a a willful turning of your passion in the right way and not the wrong way. As the old infomercial says, but wait, there's more. Because God also wants us to love God with our minds. The United Negro College Fund used to say, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. And that's true. A mind is also the place where our understanding and our intellect and our intelligence is where we put together things. It's where we think things out. Loving God with our minds means that we use these wonderful minds that God has given us to to study and to read and to, to know and to learn. Reading the scriptures, knowing what God has said, learning from reading good books. You know, everything that we put inside of our minds matters. That's why the word of God in Philippians 2.8 says, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, pleasing, commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about those things. What we think about matters. We love God with our minds. And then finally, we love God with all our strength. Luke gospel and Mark's gospel both include this fourth thing and I think it's very important it kind of ties everything together as a matter of fact loving God with all of our strength is kind of the outward expression the outward expressions of loving God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind because we take the love for God in our heart and our soul and our mind and we actually put it into action We put it into action. We do something besides just have a warm feeling, okay? We actually do the second part of that most important thing, loving our neighbor as ourselves. This coming Wednesday is the Wednesday we're going to be talking about uh, knowing and loving our neighbor because another person came up to Jesus and said, Who is my neighbor? After Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, who is my neighbor? Our neighbor is literally anyone who is near us, who, anyone 
whomever is in our sphere of influence. Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, right? Right after the guy asked him, who is my neighbor? The Good Samaritan loved someone who was a stranger. The Good Samaritan loved somebody who was ethnically and religiously different from him. The Good Samaritan loved in a way that was going to cost him time and money and trouble going out of his way. He didn't just love the person in the ditch from the back of his donkey as he rode by. He didn't just say, as we sometimes do, hey, I'll pray for you. But he actually got down in the ditch and got his hands dirty. I know. If you're anything like me, you would just love for God to make you with Skyrider or some experience to just say hey I want you to do this I want you to do this we all want to know what God wants us to do don't we but God has given us a word and his name is Jesus he is our word from God and he told us what to do so if we just started there if we just started there. Pastor Sam, is it not a little more complicated than that? I didn't say it was complicated. I didn't say it was easy, but it is simple. There is a most important thing to do. There is that one thing that is most important on which hangs everything else. Let's do it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for not leaving us in the dark when it comes to what you want us to do. We want to know who we are, and we want to be authentic. And if we know who we are, then we'll know what to do because we'll live out of those values, out of that identity. And we are your people, Lord. And it's our desire to be who you've created us to be. You have created us to love you and to love our neighbors. God, remind us when we forget. Inspire us when we feel discouraged. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Will you stand and worship?
God and neighbor challenge. If you don't already have a Sunday school class that you're connected to, or if you haven't been in a long time and you just kind of feel awkward about coming back, Pastor Andy's starting a new class next Sunday that will be meeting in the gathering room. And it's called um, Dreaming God-Sized Dreams. It's, it's a, a great study. Cinnamon rolls and sarcasm will be provided. Um, so Come, it's a five-week study. It's not like a lifetime commitment, except when you dream big dreams, God does big things, okay? Now go in peace and go in love, loving God and your neighbor. I'm in. <laughs>